2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow and... I am also the 2006 Time Magazine Man of the Year. Did you know that? Uh, it's true. Check it out. 2006 Time Magazine Man of the Year. That's me. And uh, I'm glad to be with you today. People are going to Google that right now, and you're going to find out uh, that's true. How about that? Uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. 888 528 Two five five seven. Speaking of Man of the Year, the 2022 Time magazine Man of the Year is in the United States today. President uh, Zelensky from Ukraine is, uh, is here meeting with President Biden today.
0: The human spirit is unconquerable as long as there are good people willing to do what is right. This year has brought so much needless suffering and loss to the Ukrainian people. But I want you to know, President Zelensky, I want you to know that all the people in Ukraine to know as well. The American people have been with you every step of the way, and we will stay with you. We will stay with you for as long as it takes.
1: President Biden at the White House is promising President Zelensky uh, a lot of support. And obviously our country has given him and the Ukrainian uh, Army, a lot of our support, and uh, it is driving the news today. And during that news conference, uh, President Zelensky said he uh, thanked the American people and uh, for all of our support. And we have we've given billions of dollars. Who knows what kind of weaponry? I guess we're giving them Patriot missiles. I got a I got a question. Maybe somebody out there knows it. Do Patriot missiles shoot down nuclear missiles? Like you know, Putin is threatening nuclear war, and if you shot down a nuclear warhead, what happens? Like it doesn't reach its destination. So you blow it up somewhere in the sky, assuming that it's in the atmosphere. Does it blow up with a nuclear explosion in the atmosphere or does it destroy the whole mechanism and it defends uh, the ground from that? I don't know. But uh, that's something that we are are, are given in those Patriot missile systems, which I I guess work pretty well. There's a lot of missiles still hitting uh, Ukraine. The the war is 300, 300, days old And, uh, it doesn't show any real sign of ending. Uh, during Zelensky's brief visit, uh, President Biden announced close to 1.85 billion in additional U.S. military aid, uh, including that Patriot missile defense system. And Congress is going to pass 45 billion in additional military and economic aid to Ukraine. Um, and that's part of the 1.7 trillion dollar omnibus bill that, uh, probably will get passed here. That's going to bring total U.S. assistance over 100 billion dollars. It's a lot. Uh, during the press conference, Zelensky said that regardless of changes in Congress as the Republicans take over, uh, he says I believe there will be bipartisan support, and that does seem to be the case. This is Republican Senator Rick Scott. I, I believe in, in lethal
2: targeted aid. So let's understand exactly what the, what's going what's going to be in here. What they what they need to defeat Russia. I think it's in our national security interest to defeat Russia, stop them. I'm very appreciative. If everybody in Ukraine, what they've gone through, I don't want to be at war with Russia. None of us want to be. So I think we want to continue to help Ukraine, but we've got to make sure we know how the money is spent. It has to be very transparent. It's got to be for lethal aid to stop Putin.
1: I think that is probably going to be the Republican line as the Republicans take over Congress, is that the money will still be given to Ukraine, um, but there's going to be a lot more oversight of it. Uh, hopefully that's the case. You know, I'm not uh, personally you know i feel like uh we need to do what we have to do i think historically when you let an aggressor uh take um through force uh land from another country the way putin is doing you just encourage them to do that later they took crimea in 2014 and what did we do we did nothing and so they felt like hey we're going to uh we're going to take over this country and the ukrainians fought back and uh you know a year ago did did, did most people think they were going to survive this long against russia i don't think so I don't think they thought so at all. I think that's why uh, Time magazine – surprising that Time magazine is still a magazine, but it is. And I don't think the person of the year, even though I was the 2006 person of the year, I don't think it's that big a deal uh, like it used to be because they got a little weird with it, right? As soon as they gave it to – sometimes they've given it to nefarious people, right? I mean Adolf Hitler clearly was the person of the year in whatever year that was, in 1939, I think, you know, starting the you know, and they're not saying this is the good guy of the year. They're just saying this is the guy who made the most impact. But then it kind of got political. They started giving it to, uh, you know, Yasser Arafat and some people. And you're like, you know... Uh, these guys really haven't done anything except they showed up and gave a handshake. But that but really, they haven't done anything. They've said some things, but they didn't really do anything that led to peace or anything. And it kind of got absurd, I think, at the moment. Uh, anyway, yeah, Zelensky is the person of the year. Biden let him know that I don't and I, I look at this and and they're in the Oval Office and President Biden is sitting there. And I don't know that Zelensky cares two cents about this, but this is what Biden said.
0: We have a famous thing that occurs once a year. You pick the man of the year in Time magazine. You have the man of the year in, this, in, this, in the United States of America. It's so a welcome. We have a lot to talk about.
1: You know, he's looking at him like, I'm a man of the year because of the magazine. I'm here asking for money and weapons. You know, give me that. Uh, that's what he wants. Anyway, um, you know, historically speaking, there certainly is reason to stop this kind of aggression in the world. Um, That's why we went into Kuwait. People say, no, it's about the oil. Well, yes, we had interests. And there are parts of the world where this kind of thing is happening in, uh, you know, Armenia and some other places and things that maybe you haven't heard of that are going on. and, And we're not doing anything really there because we have a harder time saying what our interests are and it's it's it can be hypocritical for sure but at the same time when you have this kind of invasion from a large country Russia into Ukraine for reasons that don't make any sense they they make sense to to Russia you know that Russia is a country that is declining very rapidly in just about every area and they're declining in in birth rate which is a huge problem for uh, the Russians you know, in Russia you actually can take a day off to go home and make babies i think four times a year now you get to do that. It's a crisis. We should have that in this country. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. And, you know, is this something that bothers you that we are connected here or are you with the Ukraine war that we are sending a lot of money there? Are there things that you you have opinions that you didn't just get from, uh, you know, whichever news person you like to listen to? There's a left and right on, on this like there is it. Anywhere, but do you worry about war? Do you worry that this is something that's important, uh, or do you think this is a waste of time? You know, how do we, you know, we're, we've had this weird time where we're talking about the most inane things in our country in some ways, and yet you have President Biden saying things like, we've never been this close to Armageddon. It's like, Armageddon, that's, that's a pretty serious word there, Armageddon, uh, to talk about that. And we have this war going on with Putin. Lots of rumors about Putin. He's got cancer. He's got some other disease. He's terminal. He fell down the stairs the other day, and people are going, see, he's got only days to live. I don't think it means that. I think he missed the last stair. I've done that before. You've heard just like going down the stairs, and you, you miss. maybe I only have a few days. I don't know. It's in the Lord's hand. Um, there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not we should pressure Zelensky to, uh, to negotiate a deal, which – you know to me i'm I'm not somebody who likes that very much when you're the one being invaded. I mean maybe at some point you got to wave the white flag that also is you know historic historical but you're you're probably not stopping the aggression all right uh John Kirby at the White House uh had this to say when asked are is the White House going to pressure um Zelensky to make a deal with Russia to end the war.
3: I I think clearly today they will talk about uh, an end to this war, and they'll talk about the just peace that President Zelensky has articulated that he wants to pursue, we want to pursue. I I absolutely think that uh, diplomacy will be uh, part and parcel of what's discussed today. Uh, uh, This won't be about, however, forcing... President Zelensky to negotiate or describing or dictating to him what the terms of a negotiation might look like. He's the commander in chief. It's his country. He gets to determine if and when he goes to the negotiating table and he gets to determine what the circumstances are for that, what the conditions are for that what he's willing to put on the table uh, with the Russians. I think, sadly, uh, we're we're just not there, Andrea. Mr. Putin has shown no indication that he's willing to negotiate or engage in any kind of diplomatic talks. In fact, you could say quite the opposite. Everything he's doing tells you that he wants to continue to prosecute this war. He wants to continue to kill Ukrainians. He wants to continue to knock out the lights and turn off the heat uh, as winter sets in across Ukraine to try to bring the Ukrainian people to their knees.
1: And that is what's happening in Ukraine. And we have to think of it from a lot of different angles. You know, it's it's in, it's one thing to be uh, here and in the safety of where we are and be able to talk about this and give opinions about it, you know, right and left. It's another thing to be a person in Ukraine who is dealing with this and have seen your entire country and way of life uh, uprooted and destroyed. At the end of the day, you know, war is evil. War is something that is uh, you know, it's it's been a part of human life since uh Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, since Cain decided to kill Abel. There have been wars. And it is something that is not going to go away until Jesus comes back and the the final battle happens and Jesus is the king and then there will be no more wars at that point. It's something that is very, very evil and something that we should not pretend is something that can't touch us where we are. There was a movement, remember, in the I think 70s and 80s, sort of a, an academic movement saying that war is obsolete, that we need to, to stop preparing for war because you know we have become so enlightened, we have become so evolved that uh, war is just not something that's going to happen. Well, we've had an awful lot of war. The 20th century saw more people killed in wars than all of the other centuries combined that we have in recorded history since the time of Christ. That's how violent the 20th century has been. And how do we define the 21st century? Almost a quarter into it. Lots of war. Uh, lots of death. Lots of things going on. This is the the movement of evil. This is you know evil at its worst. And there's evil on all sides. You know, sometimes people are critical of things that Ukraine is doing. I'm sure they're doing some things that are not okay. We've done things that are not okay uh, in the... the battlefield and underneath the um, the banner of war. That's what it is. Uh, it's it's war. There is spiritual war happening in our world too. And that is something that, you know, as Christians, we just have to be aware of that the battle that we might have, and I want you to think about this coming up to Christmas and coming up to a period of time where you might have tensions tensions at home. And maybe this is a hard, a hard time, right? This is a you know, you might have people coming over that are hard to get along with, but they're family. So you invite them over and um, you might have some disagreements or some topics that you don't want to discuss. There are, we're also living, though, in a time when a lot of people aren't doing that, where maybe some of you are in this boat where you're just not invited to Christmas because of some issue that you have with that's causing an estrangement between your kids or your grandkids or somebody that, you know, we're seeing that more and more often these days and it's it's tremendously sad sometimes it's just over a political position you know the person that you voted for well we can't have you over because you voted for those people or you support this particular uh uh view you know we're finding so many ways to divide and if you're going through that and maybe you want to call and uh, you know share your story if you're kind of dealing with that 888-528-2557 Always think of things as something that is spiritual in this, that the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's hard to remember that because it gets to be so personal, right? It gets to be so incredibly painful and difficult when we're having uh, difficulties with each other, and particularly when it's family and stuff. But there is a spiritual war going on in the world, and the thing you have to remember is that it's not all just about us that the devil is going to do his thing because ultimately the war he knows how the war is going to end. He's lost. He was lost at the cross and at the resurrection. Christmas time being on the scene is a reminder to all of us that there's actually hope and that there's hope for restoration. There is hope for the end of war forever. That there is hope for the end of tragedy, the end of broken relationships, the end of all of the things that cause so much pain and so much division. And if you're going through a difficult time in this holiday season, you know, it's it's hard to keep it in mind. And I'll tell you, it's hard for me. Hard for me to keep it in mind if whenever I've had conflict with people or, you know, there are things going on and I'm really upset with somebody or I, I can't stand the position that they're holding or something like that, to remember that in humility, that maybe I've got things that are wrong, that's why Jesus tells us to take the log out of our own eye uh, before we can see clearly enough to take the speck out of our our neighbors, but also to remember that you know what things that are of division, things that are tearing us apart, things that cause pain or you know whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, these are the things of the devil. these are the things that are part of what Jesus is going to restore when he comes again. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. 888-528-2557. Sherry in San Diego. Welcome to Southern California Live.
4: Hi, Scott. Appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. Hi, Sherry. Uh,
1: How is it in San Diego for this Christmas?
4: Really? Well, it's going to be about 77 degrees this Christmas.
1: (laughs) Yep. We'll all be headed to the beach, I think.
4: Wonderful. Well, it's a beautiful place to spend Christmas, but... Um, I just want to thank you for for having this program today on the Division of the Family. Um, We come from a very large family, um, all believers in Christ, all of us, serving in the Church, um, and just has always been a loving, close-knit family. And there has been so much division right now um, with myself and my daughters. I have two daughters and two sons. Hmm. And um, all believers in Christ, we all know Jesus came, the great love He has for us, and to teach us about that love and forgiveness. But there is um, there is a division here, and I'm telling my husband, I hear the family saying, "We got to do something." You know, we got to do something. It's Christmas, and I said, "Yeah, what we need to continue to do is extend grace to grow and continue to pray and to trust God."
1: Yeah. Now you and your... I said. Go ahead.
4: Oh, I was going to say, and and in addition to that, just you know, sit back and, and and look at the posture of our own hearts, and ask the Holy Spirit. You know, where is it that you need to work in me and convict me? What is it you're asking of me to do um, here uh, to be an instrument of Christ's love in this situation? And um, and you know, and sometimes people they're not in a place. They're not, their hearts aren't postured in a place where they're open to receiving the olive branch or extending that, um, you know, love of Christ. And I told my husband, I said, it's okay, because God's Word says he works it all out for good for those that love him. Yeah. I said, and it may not be at this time that, that you know, they're ready to receive that or ready to extend the forgiveness, but I said, we know that. It'll come in God's perfect timing, and we just continue to love and pray for them.
1: I, you have um, to keep doing that for listen. sure. You know, you've got to love yeah. and pray, and don't don't get bitter and dig in your feet.
4: Exactly. Well, you know, you talked about the spiritual battle mm-hmm. here, yeah. right? And, and that's what I was telling my, my family. I said, listen, I said, the bigger picture here is the enemy trying to get you to take the bait, He wants us to take our eyes off of Jesus and why God sent His only begotten Son to come here for our sake. I said, we can't lose sight of really, truly um, the love of Christ and the love of God, which is what it it comes to at the end of it all. And I said, we, we have to rise above the circumstances, rise above the rejection, rise above the persecution, and we have to keep our eyes on Christ yeah. and rejoice. It, it, this is the time to rejoice and know that God is working it out. Yeah. He is working it out.
1: Well, Sherry, I, pre- for yeah, I appreciate that and the things that, uh, you know, you're going through in, in your family. you got to keep the faith and, uh, you know, play for the long game of grace.
4: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Yes, yeah, Big grace that He's extended all of us. Right, we that's just, right. Grace, grace to grow. That's right grow. But uh, it, it it is hard. You know, it's, it's hard. It's a hard time. Yeah, all to right. Go through that, it's Sherry, painful.
1: Th- yep. Thank, Thank you for calling Southern California Live. Merry Christmas, Sherry.
4: Merry Christmas. God bless you. God bye bless bye. you.
1: The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Don in San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live.
5: Hi, my brother. Uh, so I'm guessing this is the this first time I called in in your not-so-new format. I think of it very much like your former show, but uh, this particular topic is, is in my heart. Uh, uh, my family and another family, we grew up since the 60s intertwined and theirs was, was a large family, and ours was a medium-sized family. So all the brothers and sisters, through many different avenues, we just became more like one big family than, uh, than two separate families. Uh-huh. And many of us in that life, in the 60s and 70s, 80s, got involved in the drug life, and the very bad drug life. A heroin addiction and prison, that's my story. And Finally, in uh, 1992, Jesus turned my life around, uh blessedly. and my and my dear brother was the same age, one year different than me uh, in the other family, he became born again too. so we it seemed like as two older guys, we had this wonderful parallel ministry, and we just seemed to be growing forward together. Well, he went into a uh, victory outreach sort of uh, I won't describe it i 'll just say it's different than my Calvary Chapel uh. sort of evangelical approach. And over time, I started to become more critical of the kind of worship music and the way it was done and the prosperity message. And the more I examined it, the more he viewed me as being just critical.
1: So has this caused ai got to go to a break in a minute. Has this caused a lot of uh, some division? He's not
5: talking to me. He Mm. hasn't talked to me going on two years, and it's heartbreaking. I love him. I think he loves me. Yeah. But—
1: Have you ever tried to uh, have you tried to uh, reach out to him?
5: Well, I'm going to again. And uh, and I still don't agree with that, you know, theology, if you want to call it that. But I love them, And there must be a way we can agree to love each other and not talk about that all the time. But we're all talking about the Lord because that's what we're on fire for. So, yes, I'm going to. I'm going to humble myself and reach out again. I yeah,
1: Don, I encourage you to do that, and maybe you just don't have to talk about those things, right, and and work yeah. on that relationship and see what things go and keep praying. Uh, I love them. Yeah. And never give up on them, all right?
5: Okay, God bless you. Thanks right.
1: for your ministry. God bless you too, Don. Thanks for calling in. This is Southern California Live. When we come back, uh, I will uh, continue taking your calls on this important subject. And um, we will uh, we'll do that Wednesday. This is the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
0: In terms of other investments, there are um, uh, a lot of dollars that came out of the American Rescue Plan uh, given to cities and states for investments in improving indoor air quality. I actually think uh, this is probably the most important long-term thing we can be doing for schools, for office buildings, for nursing homes, Indoor air quality is sort of has just not gotten the level of attention it deserves. You know, most experts believe that if we make some basic investments in indoor air quality, we can reduce, in fact, all respiratory infections by 30, 60, even 80 percent. I mean, the notion that you could cut respiratory infections, there's no study in the world that shows that masks work that well. So you're never going to get the kind of benefit from mandatory year round masking as you would from making substantial improvements in indoor air quality. But it's a lot easier to
4: implement as well.
1: That is White House COVID coordinator Ashish Jha, who uh, made the statement that there's no study in the world that's showing that masks work that well. And he's talking about why indoor ventilation needs to be improved, and it's relatively relatively speaking, easier, which I think is, you know, is good. But of course, uh, you know, people are like, wait a minute, you're saying now that the masks don't. What do you mean by that? And people get all upset. You're listening to Southern California Live. My name, I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557. We're talking about things that divide us at Christmas and maybe, you know, COVID and other holidays, too. The COVID divides us. Uh, Families. There are people who, uh, you know, haven't seen each other in three years because they have a different opinion about gathering or wearing masks or not wearing masks or what the rules are in the household. People divide because of political reasons, uh, who you voted for or what kinds of things you support. And, you know, is this something that has impacted your family and how are you dealing with it? What advice would you give? Uh, in that department. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Rick in Azusa. Rick, welcome to Southern California Live.
6: Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Rick. I uh, think is more on the grandiose level of uh, prejudices and co- disconnecting from certain groups. I'm a bit young for the Vietnam War, but recently my wife and I took a trip to Vietnam, and I had a chance to experience the people there. Um, and I got to tell you, I, if, if I gained anything from that trip, it was the enlightenment of the quality of the Vietnamese people. Mm-hmm. I think uh, inherently in my community, at least in the San Gabriel Valley, there are a lot of Asians and, and uh, Vietnamese within the community. And there's kind of an embedded prejudice, I think, amongst that group. Uh, we flew from Los Angeles. You mean people, uh, pre-
1: people prejudiced against that group?
6: Yeah, yeah, indeed. And we flew from L.A. to to San Francisco to Tokyo, and then into Vietnam. And I got to tell you, we were all blonde-haired and blue-eyed staff on the plane. Got into San Francisco and switched to the Asian crew. And I got to tell you, the difference was phenomenal. Uh, the first crew kind of slumped the food. The you know said good morning, good night, bye, and see ya, and that was it. The other crew pampered you from the time you got on the plane the time you got there i have a bit of a disease i'm not sclerosis i use a walker the vietnamese clustered around me to help me get from here to there constantly through this trip and it wasn't for the, the tips or the money it was because they cared about you and, and that embedded uh, thing with the vietnam thing i was a bit too young to know what the experience of the gentlemen and the women that fought so bravely i'll use that word for us in that time
1: but this changed um, your perception I, of uh vietnamese people
6: Oh, it changed it entirely, and I and now what I do is everywhere I go, if I see someone I think is Vietnamese, I thank them and and say hello to them more friendlier than I might have done so in the past, and I spread what I'm telling you now and the folks listening, you know, to open your eyes to that reality that they are uh, quality people around the globe. You know, it's not just it's not just Ken and Barbie living in uh, in you know our neck of the woods.
1: All right, Rick, thank you for sharing that story, and uh, you know, uh, you know, people are people. And one of the things that, uh, you know, when we have uh, feelings about different groups of people and wars do that, we started out this hour talking about uh, President Zelensky being in the United States and the war in Ukraine. You know, dumb things happen in wars as we start to hate people just because they're part of some country that is that we're at war with or they're on the other side of a war. And maybe there are people in our country today who are developing feelings against you know, Ukrainians or developing feelings against uh, maybe you already had them if you're older for people from Russia. And there are certainly people who've had the same feelings as Rick, you know, because of uh, the Vietnam War. This is something that the enemy does to us to dehumanize the other side. That's part of what what actual war is, is you dehumanize the other side because you're you're murdering them. So it's part of a uh, you know kind of a war strategy. That's what tends to happen. But it's also what the evil one does in our relationships with each other is that we dehumanize other people. We, whether, you know, that means that they are, are lowered somehow in standards. And, you know, if you've got feelings against a particular group, whether it's race or maybe it's some other category, maybe it's, you don't like Democrats or you don't like Republicans or you don't like, um, people in the green party, you know, or you don't like janitors or you don't like people who work for corporations. You we, we divide up into so many different groups, spend some time with those people, Go and meet with those people and find out what they think about things. You find out that, that people are the same. You find out that we, we have different customs and we have, we have different ideas about the world. We have different worldviews, different perspectives on all kinds of things. But the people can articulate those things and that ultimately, honestly, you know, people are, are looking for things that are true around the world whether it be looking for it philosophically or governmentally or whatever it is. And lots of people are getting it wrong, but we have something. See, and that's why I think another way that we get divided is that we get divided against each other because of race or because of other things or circumstances. Wars have done that. And the evil one uses that to keep us apart, not just to cause disruption in our lives, but to also prevent us from loving each other the way jesus called us to do it and to prevent us from even taking the gospel to the nations of the world that we are called to take them to um you know if you are not sure where rick was coming from you know if you're a white person uh, the gospel was taken to you at some point by somebody who wasn't white initially and all of us have the the same savior A Jewish guy named Jesus, who we believe is the Son of God, who we believe is the second person in the Trinity, who all things were created through, who is the Savior of the world. Something that's just so amazing when you think about the grace that we have in Christ is that, and it's a distinction of Christianity. Don't miss this. Don't miss this with any culture in the world, whether it's a foreign culture, a culture that's just somebody different across the street, or maybe somebody different in your family. Everybody gets saved the same way by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by where you're born, not by the amount of money you have or the education you have or your ethnicity or anything else. You and Gentile alike, that's everybody. We get saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ who earned salvation for us. We get credit for what Jesus did and how he lived his life. And he died on the cross paying the penalty of what we owe for sin. Everybody. And whoever believes in him, whoever... We'll have everlasting life. It's not whoever except for these guys over here because we did this terrible thing and they they attacked us. No, it's, it's or we attack them. You know, that's that's part of the beauty of our faith, right, is that, then the distinction of our faith is that every other way of thinking in the world, all of them, require you to do certain things in order to obtain salvation, whatever that is, and in some cases it's to take certain trips. In other cases, it's to pray certain ways. In other cases, it's just some scorekeeping to be done on good work, good works that you do or doors that you knock on, or there's some scorekeeping going on by the universe uh, that you have to die with your fingers crossed, hoping that you did the right things to be rewarded by whatever that reward or whatever that God is. And even humanistic, atheistic, agnostic ideas is you know, to be a good person, that we all want to be good people. But who determines that? Who's the scorekeeper with that? Well, Christianity has an answer for that. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. The best people among us are going to fail at earning salvation, earning the righteousness that is required to be in the presence of God. But have no fear. The reason we have hope at Christmas time is because God decided to be in our presence, to send Jesus Christ here To live the perfect life that we couldn't live. To do all of those things and and suffer and die, but also to come up, showing us that he defeated death. You know, this is our message. And when we think about reasons that divide us, when we think about even the racial tensions, people have in their homes, right? We have people who just don't get along on that subject, and it just becomes so entangled into so many dumb things when we're all made in the image of God and Jesus loves us all, this is the message. And, you know, part of, of uniting, what we were talking about in this hour is the different ways that we're divided even at Christmas time that, you know, sometimes there's a reason. You might have a reason why you're not going to somebody's house and it's because they've been violent to you or because there has been, you know, such a egregious thing done that it's important to have some separation in that relationship that you have, You still have to deal with grace and forgiveness and those things. But sometimes, you know, when there's abuse and there's some things involved, you, there are some reasons, right? But today we have so many other reasons, political reasons why we divide. And I know that many of you are dealing with that right now because somebody's not coming or you weren't invited or you didn't invite somebody because of how they voted or because of their position on something, or maybe it's because of their race or because of one of these things. That's not how it's meant to be. We all fall short of the glory of God. You know, the thing is about grace is that whenever we need it, uh, we just we covet it. We want it so badly when we need grace, when we've messed up. But it's a lot harder to give out when we're the ones who are, are asked to give it. We have to give it. We've got to give grace, unmerited favor, whatever you think of it, and love people because at the end of the day, we want people to know Christ. is the number. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. When we come back, we'll take your calls and uh, finish up the day with our final segment, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at
1: 213-537-3812. Welcome back everybody. Southern California Live final segment today. We're talking about things that divide us. I know that many of us at Christmas time we have divided families and it's a it's something that has increased, I think, in recent years especially because we have found so many new ways to divide over politics over covid policies and and different things like this how do we get through that whichever side you're on with that maybe you're the one not being invited but maybe you're not doing the inviting you know what is what is it that uh, we need to do to get past that i think it i think it's changed i think that it used to be that families and people got together even if they were really annoyed by each other or bothered by each other we still did that on the holidays we still got together and you just didn't discuss certain topics or you gritted your way through it but we found that important now it seems too easy to just dismiss somebody else what are your your thoughts about that 888-528-2557 david in Culver city welcome to southern california live
2: scott merry christmas to you thank merry merry thank christmas david dad. You know, I, here's what I think the problem is right now. I think it's a major problem is not holding different opinions. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's demonizing the other side. Yeah. I think evil is when you hold an opinion and you think God is on your side with your opinion. I mean, I could give you so many examples, but the one example is COVID. I mean, I think doctors, scientists, public health officials have done the best they can. I mean, I think they thought masks worked, How well they worked. nobody knows. But it wasn't with evil intentions that they suggested we mask. It wasn't with evil intentions that they didn't want us to gather. It wasn't to undermine Christianity. I mean, if you listen to Dennis Prager <laughs> talk, you would think these people are all just evil, leftists.
1: Do you feel and like uh, this has problem. changed, David? Do you feel like in the, like just regular relationship, I think you're right, that we've come to a place where we demonize people who have different opinions, and we will spiritualize opinions that could go either way, you know? We don't really know what God thinks about things. Is this something that has changed, or is this always the way it's been? You
2: know, I think if you look back in American history, I think we go through periods of this. Mm. I think between... Uh, 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 when World War One was declared, uh, we demonized Unionists, the Wobblies, Socialists, Germans. I mean, the reason we don't use the term Frankfurter today instead of hot dog is right. because anything that sounded German, people were tarred and feathered. People were lynched for being German or unionist. So I think we've gone through periods like that in the past. And I think we're going through that now. And I, I just, I think as Christians, we ha- I I I like what you said about extending grace to people. I mean, people don't have these people that have opinions that differ from you are not evil people.
1: Yeah, we have to get through that. I I appreciate uh, that, David. Uh, thank you for calling, and uh, Merry Christmas to you, thank you. David. Thank
5: you. thank you.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, I think, and that's what happens in the division of of families. We sort of even start to demonize our family because of their different opinions. And, you know, and David also is right that that we have gone through different periods of time in our country this way. And I think that should give us some hope that we can get through it, which really is a big part of the discussion is that, you know, uh, and it it gets pretty bad. I mean, we the North and South demonized each other over slavery and the the North was 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 right to condemn the slavery and the abolitionists. Um, But, you know, one of the things that was interesting in all of that is that. You know, and Lincoln would point this out in his second inaugural, is that both sides claimed that God was on their side. And both sides said that, uh, who read the same Bible uh came to different conclusions and both sides had some things that were wrong and that's what led him ultimately to say you know that we should have uh, malice toward none and that we need to find a way to to we you need to punish evil and slavery needed to be eradicated for sure and the racism and stuff that still exists uh, still needs to be eradicated but you you do that by coming together and not demonizing people realizing that you're your people by right, Realizing who we really are in Christ. And I want to encourage you to do that in your family and to realize that whatever evil might be there, maybe you're right. And there's some kind of evil going on with this other person. You know, and once again, I recognize that there are certain time, people that because of what they're into are doing, that maybe you should not invite them to the house. Your kids are in jeopardy or there's been those kinds of things. But, you know, a lot of what we're talking about today is politics. And God is going to be the one who ultimately judges everything. So we've got to be aware of what is in our heart and realize that part of our hope, too, in Christ is that he is going to eradicate everything. And, you know, whenever evil is defeated, you know, the Civil War, we'd be in the Civil War over and over again if if slavery would have been allowed to continue. Uh, there's a reason that we we don't have uh, Nazis the way we did in World War II, and it's because even to this day, if we find you and you were a Nazi, we prosecute you, even if you're a hundred years old. And that the attitude after that war was that justice is going to have to be done here completely. You eradicate the evil as best you can. Now, philo- you know, philosophies change, or you know, and carry on by different people, and things like that happen. But at the end of the day, what's going to happen when Jesus returns is all evil will be wiped out. It will be completely eradicated. There will be no more no more evil, no more sadness, no more division. We will be brothers and sisters in Christ uh, forever. Jesus is going to do that in the end. In the meantime, we need to do the best we can here on earth to show grace to each other, to call evil, evil. You know, we definitely need to do that. Um, But we can also do that with grace. It is, you know, and to have uh, relationships with people as best that we can. you got to take a look at what's appropriate. But ultimately, we want their souls to be saved. And we want to believe that people can change, that God can change people, that God really can change people, that the fruit of the Spirit, that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, uh, self-control. Those things are things where people grow when they have the Spirit of God. And some of the most wicked people can become some of the most wonderful people with God's help, with supernatural help that comes through that. You know, if you're estranged from family members for one reason or another this Christmas, uh, you know, and I realize sometimes you just can't travel and sometimes things don't, you know, I don't mean that. I mean that you're not invited or they're not invited. And this has been going on, and especially if it's over political differences, uh, the COVID or how you voted or, you know, things that are philosophy, whatever side you're on with that, be as gracious as possible. you got to hold on to what's true, but you should question yourself about what you think is true. Make sure that you might have your conviction, but if it's not really something you point to Scripture and go, okay, here's what the Scriptures say, then, you know, your your conviction is worthy of having, um, but you should be open to other people's opinions. And at least being able to agree to disagree. We used to be able to do that. I think we can do that again. I think that we have to recognize that the war that's being fought is spiritual, that's meant to divide us. I often find that when I recognize that, when I'm having an issue with somebody or they're having an issue with me, and we're getting annoyed or we're getting mad, that the more I can realize that that person is not my enemy, the enemy is the evil one, that my enemy is not flesh and blood, but spiritual darkness and what the enemy does in that darkness. It helps me love that person better. It help, makes me a better listener. It makes me more humble. Uh, it helps me take the log out of my own eye. And that's something I would encourage you to do. And you got to pray about. It. These things are hard. They're they're not easy. You know, Jesus didn't give us a bunch of easy things to consider. And, and sometimes we... we read the things that Jesus says, and we go, well, how in the world can I do that? And sometimes we can't. That's why we need a Savior, right? The reason we, we're, we're not going to be successful all the time, which is not an excuse. It's just a reality of our fallen nature. But that's why we need a Savior, because we can't do it on our own. There are certain things we're going to have victory over, and we're going to have victory with Christ, and that's great. But at the end of the day, the reason you need a Savior, the reason you need saving is that you can't do it on your own, as good or as successful as you might be. And that's true for each one of us. And when we realize that that one Savior is Jesus, that he's exactly who he said he was, that history pointed to his birth and all the events around his birth, and that history today points back to Jesus Christ and the turning of the tide, the changing of everything, your calendar, your calendar is looking at that on your phone, on your wall. I mean, what year is 2022? 2022. I know it's off by a couple of years, but it's counting forward since the birth of Christ. And if you want to go before that, then it's, it's before the birth of Christ. That's what that is. You know, to me, I think God rigs those things in our world to remind us of him, that the hero of the story is never going to be us. It's always going to be Jesus. That the hero of the story will never be whatever is accomplished or not accomplished in Washington, D.C., but it's going to be Jesus. The hero of the story is not the Time Magazine person of the year, even though I was the 2006 Time Magazine person of the year. The hero is always Jesus. He's always the person of the year, of every year. Every year is about him. So whatever your circumstances are, make it about Jesus. Go put on the armor of God, put on the whole armor of God, not just parts of it, but all of it, Ephesians chapter 6. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the schemes of that guy you don't like of that. No, it's to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't know what all the schemes are. We waste a lot of time sometimes trying to figure out specifically what the schemes are of the devil. Sometimes we can figure it out, sometimes we don't know. We're not really even called to figure it out. We're called to know that there are schemes, and put on the whole armor of God, and be prepared for that, and love others, and realize that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That passage matters a lot. That should tell us a lot about our struggles. I hope this gives you some hope today. Thanks for listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We're on every day from 3 to 5. You can get the podcast by going to the radio station website or go to Spotify, look for Southern California Live, and check it out. I'm Scott Furrow. Thanks for listening. I will see you again tomorrow. Have a great night